Imagine being there on Pentecost Sunday. Can you actually step into imagining? I don't know if we fully can. That day when the Holy Spirit, that promised Spirit came and descended, came upon the people. It empowered them to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And that empowerment began right then and there. Tongues of fire descended upon them. They were given the languages of the nations of all of those people who were present. And they began witnessing of the glory of God, of his wonderful works. And those people whom the Spirit descended upon, those were the ones along with others who had the chance to walk with Christ. To see him touch people. He brought the light of the kingdom. He stepped into darkness and he transformed people's lives. He loved people to wholeness. Can you imagine actually being there to witness the miracles that he performed? The love that he shared, the grace that he offered, the forgiveness that he poured out his life for. Could you imagine actually being a witness to that? Throughout the book of Acts, the theme of witnessing is a major theme. You see it all throughout, and it was always done by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. In the early church, they would endure persecution, and they were, they were ready to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And I love that story. I think it's in Acts chapter 4, if I remember right, where they were suffering persecution, and they, they don't ask for God to stop the suffering. They ask for more boldness to keep testifying of Jesus Christ. I love that. In the beginning of John's gospel, we went through the book of John a while ago, do you remember that he speaks of Jesus coming as a light into this world? The Old Testament prophecies spoke of the Messiah as being the light of the world. But remember John the Baptist, two different Johns. John the Baptist, he made sure to communicate that he wasn't the light. Jesus Christ was the light of the world. He only came to bear witness to the light. Jesus says in John 8, Verse 12, he says, and Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, without the light of Jesus Christ, we live in spiritual darkness. I love the passage in Revelation 21, 23, and it speaks of the new Jerusalem. This is just kind of a little added in. Because I love this verse. Imagine this. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine. For the glory of God gives its light. And its lamp is the lamb. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. I gave the title of today's message, Are You Afraid of the Dark? When I was a little girl, I was terrified of the physical dark. 
the darkness of my little bedroom. And I'd be laying in my bed and I would have visions. I don't even know where these visions came from because it's not like I was influenced by TV. But I would have visions of a man under my bed, the boogeyman. And he had, a, he had a knife long enough to reach through the mattress. And I feared for my life night after night. And I would curl up hiding. My mom had made this big, well, it's probably not as big now that I'm an adult. But when I was little, it was big. It was a big teddy bear that I affectionately named Esther. And I would curl up under this big teddy bear and I would hide and I'd put her over top of me. Sometimes I would actually get up and I'd hide in my closet. Not that the closet even had any light, but somehow I felt comfort with the walls touching me and surrounding me. You see, my fear, it caused me to be held within the grasp of darkness. I was a victim to its taunting, to its threats. It robbed me. It robbed me of peace and it robbed me of joy because I was filled with this dread as I anticipated harm. And you know, when we have our mental and emotional states ruled by fear, we're actually unable to accurately perceive what is a real threat or what is a perceived threat. If you have lost your peace, if you've lost your joy because of the darkness of our day, I have a verse that I'd like to encourage you with. John says in John chapter 1, verse 5, that the light shines in the darkness. Listen to this. The darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I was having a conversation with someone about a week ago about the state of our world and they were struggling and it seemed to me that they had lost their peace and in the midst of our conversation I sensed the Holy Spirit break in to that exchange that we were having and I heard these words in my spirit, you are not a victim to the darkness. And as I heard that word, I had this instantaneous feeling of lightness, of joy, of victory. And some of us today within the church, meaning the broader church, the global church, have been feeling this sense of impending doom. We may be in troubling days, but you know, impending doom really only has a grasp on us, on us if we're a little bit afraid of pain, if we're afraid of persecution, we can come under this weight of impending doom. And yes, we are in dark days, but you know what? I still have this anticipation and I believe that there is still a great harvest to come. And this is to be our focus. You see, we are not a people without hope. We're not ever to get distracted by the dark that we lose sight of being vessels of light. We're to keep our lamps burning. Matthew says that no one, not even the angels in heaven, the son himself will actually be able to determine when the end will come. Only the father knows. 
There's predictions all over the place going on and don't get distracted by the predictions of if this is the time. It'll only draw you away from the focus of the gospel, the mission, the great commission. There's not a single prophet on this earth who is going to know when the end will be here. Only the Father knows. And we may be in the midst of spiritual darkness, but the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. The kingdom of God, it always operates from the position of victory. And so should the church, so should the body of Christ. I actually just want to stop and pray for a moment. For those of you who have, your days have been filled with dread, with fear at what's going on in our world. And even as we prayed earlier as a team, Dan prayed out for for peace and for joy. And that's exactly what I was feeling today. That there's some of you that have lost your peace and your joy. You've allowed it to be robbed. And so Holy Spirit, I pray today that you will release that feeling of impending doom. That the peace of your spirit which guards our hearts and minds, will be over your children today. Will be over the children who are suffering in war. Will be over those who are actually going to be martyred today for your faith. Will your grace be over them? May they shine like the stars today. Because the darkness is not going to snuff them out. And so, Lord, today I pray for my brothers and sisters who have been suffering under depression or fear or dread. And we rebuke that spirit and command it to come off of them today in the name of Jesus Christ. That they can be bold, victorious, peace-filled warriors for your kingdom today. In Jesus' name, amen. As Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. He finishes the Beatitudes, speaking of persecution. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Then he says... After that word, he moves on. In light of this, you're to be salt. You're to be light. You're not to escape the world in that sense. You're to mingle in. You're to bring influence of the kingdom into the darkness. I want to read chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do you... Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Remember how John the Baptist was so clear to say, I'm not the light. Jesus is the light of the world, and yet now Jesus was the one who had that name. And what, is he, what do you see here? Now Jesus is coming to his people, and he's saying, you are the light of the world. He's inviting us into his mission of sharing the gospel. 
He's patched the torch of the Spirit on that day of Pentecost to reside in your heart. What an awesome thought that God wants to reside within the heart of man, within the heart of woman. Wow. So here, Jesus, he wants us to shine. He wants us to manifest the glory of God through our lives. The last thing Jesus told his disciples before he ascended to heaven was, do you guys know? Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And this is our, still our mission today. Through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit that was poured out on Pentecost, we have been invited in to be light bearers for the kingdom. You have been equipped to bring the light into the most dysfunctional soul you know. Don't fear the darkness. Because you have a power within you that can cut through all of the garbage, all of the sin, all of the muck and the mire, and it can set someone free. Many years ago, I had a dream. Well, I've had lots of dreams, but this one dream, I'll actually never forget it. And in my dream, there was a very large creature. Well, creature might not be the right word. It was a lion mixed with an eagle. The body of a lion with eagle wings. And it was very, very large. It was, I don't know, the lion was probably five times bigger than what reality here on earth would have been. And in the dream, I was just standing and it came up and it landed beside me. And I had no fear of it. I had no interaction really with it, but I just climbed on it. It was like I knew that's what I was supposed to do when I climbed on the back. And I remember leaning forward, holding on. And we began to fly. We were flying through a valley. And then there was a big sheer cliff and we were flying and we were going up and up. And there was a big plateau. And the plateau was covered in darkness. And the moment that that lion, those feet touched the ground, shafts of light went out in every single direction. And the darkness was swallowed up by the light. And I woke up hearing these, these words, I am calling you to bring light into the darkness. But you see that dream? It wasn't just for me. That is the calling of God on each and every single one of our lives. The light that we carry should be able to enter the darkness and overcome it, not the other way around. We bring influence instead of being influenced. This is our identity. This is your identity today. If you wonder what your life is all about, if you wonder what your purpose is all about, you are a light bearer for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How is the light of Christ being made manifest in your life? How is the light of Christ being made manifest in your life? You know, I was at the grocery store a while ago, and I, uh, a few aisles over, a man is just unloading all his frustration upon the teller, clerk, what, what, I don't know what you call him. <laughs> and he's just unloading, and it, and it struck me in that moment. Every single day, in every single reaction, I have a choice. Am I going to unload 
all my angst, all my frustration upon people? Or am I going to actually be someone who makes someone else's day? We have a choice to release the light, the goodness, all the fruits of the Spirit. How is that light being manifested today? We are to be the light of Jesus so that God may be glorified. As we live on this mission of spreading the gospel message, spreading the fire of the Spirit, I was actually thinking about, hmm, what Bible character could I highlight today who would be a good representation, a good model of living the light of Jesus? And then I kind of chuckled to myself and went, like, who better than Jesus Christ himself? And so as we think about Christ, I want to ask you, what character would you say was like the fuel behind his ministry on earth? What character was, behind, was like the fuel behind his ministry? We could probably come up with a lot of good thoughts, a lot of good ideas that would, could very possibly be true. But when I think about what compelled Jesus to touch blind eyes, when I think about what drove him to embrace a leper, When I think about what caused him to stop what he was doing and gaze into the eyes of a soul that needed deliverance from their torment, I see the characteristic of compassion. Whenever I read the Gospels, that is what is highlighted to me. I see all that he does and I just see compassion, compassion, compassion. It's like this fire within him that moves him to release the kingdom of God upon the broken lives of humanity. Every act of mercy that Christ performed was a manifestation of God's compassion. Some of you here today have never stopped long enough to allow the gaze of Christ to catch your eye. And there's some of you that need to actually receive his compassion. Because it's powerful, and it'll set you free, and it'll heal your heart. When I started doing a biblical study this week on the topic of compassion, it actually got me really excited. And one day when I have time, I'm going to go back to it, because there's so much I didn't unpack. But it was the first characteristic mentioned when God showed Moses his glory. It's a compassionate God. It's part of who he is. And over and over, compassion was the turning point of wayward children. His compassion, it carried this power that could not be stopped. And it would transform those humble enough to see their desperate need for it. Christ's compassion could melt hearts and it could awaken souls. I was thinking about compassion. I was thinking about those moments of when I felt the Spirit's compassion well up at me, way beyond what I've ever carried. And I thought it contains so much power because it's void of judgment. You don't focus on the people's mistakes. You don't suddenly, or you don't have this self-righteous attitude that judges others for where they don't think the same as you. Compassion compels you towards loving them. 
towards desiring the best for them. It causes you to move towards them in ways you wouldn't have before, and you want to help relieve their suffering in any way that you can. Colossians 3 verse 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen holy ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And it goes on. But put on compassionate hearts. For those of you with warrior hearts, I want to call us today to arise with compassion as our weapon. You know, there are times in my life I can, I can be pretty fiery at times. And you know, sometimes I'll, my husband bought me a sword a number of years ago that hangs on our wall by our door. <laughs> Because I've, I often would feel like I had this warrior's heart, but I've learned over the years that it's okay for me to have a warrior's heart in the prayer closet. But when it comes to that time when I meet my so-called enemy face to face, I hope I come with a sword of compassion. It's almost counterintuitive to how we would live but think of the fruit of Christ's ministry that came out of compassion. He was governed by it, and compassion opened the door for people to receive the truth. I believe today that we need a fresh baptism of compassion that compels us to sacrifice for the sake of others. It compels us to lose sleep because we're bringing our loved ones before the throne of God. You know, God calls each of us into different places of influence. Some of you are passionate about giving seniors dignity in their final days. Some of you extend your energy into teaching children, teaching adults. You're a teacher at heart, and that is what you give your life for. Some of you are moms. You're training your children in the ways of righteousness and praying for the grace of patience each and every day. Some of us are in the workforce, in the workplace. Some of us serve in restaurants. Some of us have different callings. Some of us have different inspirations. Some of us love justice issues. Wherever God has called you to serve, wherever he's lit a fire within you to make a difference, let it be led by compassion. You know, I often think about how many of the justice ministries there are around the world who are fueled by hatred. That's actually what's fueling them because there was a lack of justice and so the fuel of anger moves the ministry forward. But what if? What if compassion was the fuel that served our justice ministries? I believe so many more would be open to the gospel if we came fresh and full of the baptism of compassion of the Spirit. You are the light of the world. 
You are the light of the world. I just want to end with praying for us. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit anointing today. For that fresh baptism to fall. For you to remove judgment and replace it with compassion. Father, I thank you that you equip us for everything, for every good work, that your Father may be glorified. I pray that today that you will embolden us, that you will show us where we can serve, how we can be a part of the Great Commission. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.